Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50. Today's topic, why the best financial advisor needs his own financial advisor. Michael, this is your topic. Thanks, Dallas. It is my topic. You might be your topic, but I am the best financial advisor. Well, that's why I, what, <laughs> what, what got me thinking about this is that um, the listeners, uh, it's no surprise to the listeners that you proclaim that you're the best financial advisor, not only in Australia, but in the world. Yeah. Um, so, and I am your financial advisor, so I thought this would, this would be a fun one to do. So that's that's actually true. So the the, the point that you're that you're making here is even even myself who yeah, self assessed. Obviously, there's no there's no actual you know research done into this as to who is the best financial planner in Australia. But I believe that I'm the best financial planner in Australia, and I still. I still choose to use you as my financial advisor rather than be my own financial advisor. You could have just as easily said Roger, Te- Roger <laughs> Federer has a tennis cage. I knew the Roger <laughs> Federer thing would be getting around in this one. No, I, th- I thought it'd be um, – all jokes aside, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the reasons that I think – because yeah. obviously both of us are technically well, that's, that's technically it. equipped enough to manage our own finances. That's, We're that's technically a, equipped that's a great to be point. able to do that. This is, this is uh, a study of the, maybe the, the side of uh, financial planning or of, of having a financial advisor that um, I think most people can understand that they look at legislation, they look at you know, how to invest their super and they go, this is all just a foreign language. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. I'll pay someone who does. This is probably the separate part of that, which we've talked about before, which is that even if you do know everything, even if you know all the rules, you know all, all about that, you know how that should be invested, you you know all of the technical, the information, it's still, it's still obviously, we, we see it as very valuable to have someone else handling our, our financial planning in that way. So, yeah, you're dead right. We're... We both have all the same same information, same knowledge, same investment philosophy. Obviously, our advice that we give our clients is all much the same, but we still get value out of out of using each other as their financial planner. So I've written down three things, yeah. and and um, obviously you'll. This is just my. This is the first time you've looked at this, yeah. so you'll come up with things yeah. that you think. But the three main ones for me are that. Um, and it's vice versa as well, I yeah. should point out. So, so Dallas is my financial Mate, advisor. I'd be, I'd be really offended if, <laughs> if you were my financial advisor. And then I said, oh, well, we can have a financial And you said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not interested. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the three main things that I think I get value out of using you as my financial advisor are, number one, as a sounding board. So yeah. so we've we've spoken before how um, decisions decision-making success goes up even by introducing just one more person. Yeah. Now, if that person's an expert in that field, so I'm an expert, you're an expert in our field. Yeah. Um, you still get you still get much better decisions by having 
the second person involved. Yep. Because because uh, oftentimes um, you will 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 pitch an idea or a strategy or, or a plan of action, and um, that other person will just say, "Have you considered this? Have you yeah. considered that? What about if we do it this way?" You tend to you tend to have you tend to come at you tend to come at a better decision. You've just got a few different perspectives. By actually being able to yeah. take perspective and, on And that's, that's, I guess, why we see within our business, obviously, we have our own clients. But when it comes to our investment philosophy or the strategy we're looking at, we're, that's a part of the reason why we are, I think it's valuable that we bounce ideas off each other and look at different things mm. together because you want that team approach because you then get different perspectives, even if you've got all the same study that you've done, all the, just different uh, perspectives on things. You're going to get a different view or a different idea that you might not have thought of. And that's, I think, what you mean there is that uh, those different perspectives are going to be, um, you know, even though, even though we've, in many ways, we're very similar, we will approach things in, even though even it might only be a small thing, which is we're trying to achieve the same result, but we might have two different ways that we think that that will, will work best. Yep. That that can also be valuable. Is you just then got you got more options that you're choosing from because you've got more more ideas brought to the table. You then um, I think that's probably up there is is that you just got um, more perspectives, more different views on things. That leads to then more different options as to what are the choices that we can make here. Rather than when you're doing your own financial planning, it's very easy to the first idea that you think of is the one that you, you sort of look at and go, yeah, that makes sense, bang, we're going to do it that way, rather yeah. than stopping and, and bringing all the different options to the table. Absolutely. The second reason that I've come come up with is that it's process-driven. So we meet with our clients every six months and and um, a big part of the value of that is is that you're actually, you're meeting frequently enough to to continue to put in, put in place steps that need to be put in place to to achieve that success, um, but not free, not but but not too frequently. Yep. So there's a reason why, um, you know, the classic joke is that most builders' houses are falling down. Yeah. <laughs> and and the reason why that is yep. is that there's 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 no process yeah. around that. Yeah. So there's no formal process for the builder to say every six months yes. I'm going to drop tools on someone else's work. Yep. And I'm going to repair my own house. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to do some things on my own house. And and even what ends up happening? Yeah. Is they say I'll get to that when I get some free time. I'll get to it now. Yeah. Now we're guilty of that as well, Dale. So yeah. you and I have been guilty of that in the in the last few years. We've been guilty of saying, yeah. um, "We'll when we were when we were looking after our own yeah. financial advice for for ourselves for our yes. respective selves, we were guilty of actually um, uh, not getting around to it because yeah. we were too busy." Obviously, right. um, providing advice to our clients and, and, and looking after our clients. So, yeah. so just being process driven yeah. uh, and actually having meetings every six months, which is the same meeting frequency that we have for our clients, so that part of our you know, part of our May June uh, review uh, progress meetings with our clients, um, uh, myself and Susie will come and see you, mm. um, and you and Nicola will come and see me as your advisor, and again. In the in the at the end of the calendar year as well in December of each year, yeah. Um, Susie and I will come and have a meeting with you and Nicola, yeah. Uh, and yourself will come and have a meeting with me. So 
So it's process driven then. Um, it, that's a good point too about the fact that because it's because there's couples involved here. What I've found, and I think we've talked about this in another podcast, is that it makes it easy, even in terms of having having conversations about money as a couple, is that you know that there's a formal process there of we are going to be at the very at a very minimum every six months we are going to be sitting down as a couple and talking about our money. Whereas I'm guilty of this in particular because I love talking about it and so I talk about it all the time and we'll be sitting at, at home and yeah, our, our two-year-old will be crying or halfway through dinner or something and I'll start to go, you know what we should do and spout off on some out there financial planning idea and, and Nick will be sitting there going, just not, now is not the time. So mm. it's probably a, um, a part of that process is just even the communication. Even if you have that meeting and nothing, nothing comes out of it that you need to do, at least you're not sitting there going, have we, have we had a conversation about what, we're, what we need to do next? Are we on track? Are we not? Yeah, well, we know that at least every six months we're going to be having that meeting. We're going to be having that conversation. And it's normally, it's a time that you've got carved out where, you, you know, you, by its very nature, you've had to book in at a time when you both got an hour to sit and think about it and you're not distracted by kids or, you know, anything else like that. So, And the other thing that... that 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 meeting does is is it actually whips you into action and gives you a yeah. reminder <laughs> yeah. of the things that you were supposed to implement yes. from the last meeting <laughs> that you still haven't implemented. So, yeah. so six right. six months is a is a time. I mean, we yeah. every every person almost everywhere around the world comments yeah. every year how fast the year has flown. Yes. So yeah, I was just January now it's December. So yeah. six months. Half that period of time absolutely flies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so what I like about that is that is that you know you have that you have a December meeting and all of a sudden it's June. Yeah. And the thing and you, you you're booking you in do. for your June yeah. meeting and you go back and you review. Okay, this is what we were supposed to put in place. Yeah. In December, we we're supposed to do four things. We only did three. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that it whips you into action to That's get right. that to get that. That's the same for our clients. I mean, our yeah. clients tell us that all the time that they get value out of that because yeah. because they they um, it keeps them, you know, that well, process driven. I, mean, I, I guess this brings in the third point that I've written down is accountability. Yeah. So yeah. there's accountability there as yeah. well, which I see as a, a a big value. Yeah, I think that's that's dead right because it's. <laughs> I mean, the analogy I know you've used before is the difference between if you if you go and. If you go and get a diet plan, it's the same as getting a financial plan. Someone says, here's the things that you should go and do. You, you'll probably do some of those things, but if you've got 10 steps that you need to take, it's unlikely that you'll probably get halfway through and then lose focus or get distracted or something will happen. You know, if you go and get a diet plan and the dietitian says, okay, good luck, see you later, you might do some of the things they said, but probably not all of them. Whereas if they say, here's your diet plan, here's your diary, I need you to keep a track of everything you eat for the next week and then come back and, and we're going to have another meeting next Monday. Yeah. You're far more likely to actually stick to the plan and to do everything that you were supposed to do because you know that there's going to be, you, you've then got to revisit that and it's just our subconscious mind doesn't like being rubbed in those mistakes. You know, no. It doesn't like the idea of, well, I'm going to feel a bit silly if I come back in a week's time and I said I was going to do these things and I didn't do it and that's, Again, it's one of those things where we never want that dynamic with our clients where it's like they're the naughty child and we're the parents and we're telling them what to do. It's more, 
we've all sat down, we've all worked out, these are the next steps that need to happen. This is what you need to do. And and everyone's you, you've all agreed that that's what needs to happen. So it's then yes. just a matter of, we all know we want to do that. It's it's just a matter of making it happen. And, and that regular check-in is, a, like you say, it's a good way to just, it's a bit of a kick to go, oh, those things that I said I was going to do, I really need to do them. Otherwise, what was the point of, Having the, yes. having, the, having the meeting in the first place. Yeah, look, there's a reason why the best professional athletes in any sport around the world, they have their own strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. Now, they have the technical prowess yeah. to be able to do their own strength and conditioning. Yeah. But what they like about that is it's process-driven. Yeah. So they turn up at this point. They turn up at the time that the strength and conditioning coach says to turn up. Yeah. The session goes for as long as the strength and conditioning coach <laughs> says it's going to go for. And then that's it. And, you know, the strength and conditioning yeah. coach is, is consulting with the nutritionist as yeah. well and all of those types of things. Um, so so the, the, the professional athlete has the technical knowledge. ability and yeah. knowledge to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've made comment. I can download yeah. um, professional athlete strength and conditioning programs yes. from from the WWW. Yeah. Um, yeah, like uh, – yeah. So, so but, and I think that's yeah. yeah. It, what what it is is that it's process driven for them. Yeah. So turn up at this point in time. It'll yeah. go for as long as it goes yeah. for. Yeah. Eat this straight yeah. after it. I've and consulted it. with the yeah. with your nutritionist, and there's accountability. Yeah. So yeah, the technical aspect, and, and I, I mean, I think I think the technical aspect of financial planning is about half. I give it a weighting of about half. Yeah. Of 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 yeah. the overall value of a good financial advisor, I give their technical ability well, it, about half of a weighting. I give I give everything the, else everything else about another half and that, of and of the value of the weighting. Well, there you go. That, that's a great um, point. Is that if you look at these these things we're talking about here, you know, this, being a sounding board, having you know, being process driven, having accountability. For us to be each other's advisors, obviously we're not obviously doing that. We're obviously not doing that for technical knowledge because mm. we have the same technical knowledge. Yes, I'd say mine's probably a bit better, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> but there's obviously still we still see so much value in doing that that we still go through the process. We have all the same, all the same headaches. We still got to get off our bum and go and book a meeting and do all the rest of it and organise a babysitter and do those things to actually mm. make that happen because that's how much value we see in that. Like, I don't know whether you wouldn't even really call it the softer side of it because it's it's not, but it is the I guess the non technical aspect of it. Um, yeah, the, yeah. So the, the, the non, the, I mean, there's there's a lot of value in just turning up, yeah, and booking a meeting, yeah. turning up, <laughs> yeah. and and setting aside an hour yes. every six months to discuss yeah. your objectives. Now, the softer side of it, yeah, um, is is for example. Um, yourself and Nicola sitting down together, yeah. and 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 I was sort of a quasi yeah. uh, marriage counsellor. Yeah, there. I would say you were more a, uh, <laughs> a lawyer for Nicola arguing on her behalf <laughs> than anything else. But she probably thinks the same. Well, thing. well, I, I know, I know that one of my biggest financial tips ever <laughs> is to get, stay married. Don't get divorced. Don't get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> so you can say. Yeah. Um, I had to, I had to, I had to make you give a little bit, yeah, yeah, because um, I didn't want to get to the point down the track <laughs> that she just got sick of your <laughs> sick of your inflexibility. So, so I did. I got you yeah. to bend a bit, yeah, and um, no, she had a win, and you had a win, yeah, and, and yeah, that's um, right. yeah. yeah, no, exactly, and and that's probably, I guess, a part of that. Um, 
I guess it's a separate point here. The only thing that I'd add to that is probably that um, someone who's impartial because it, it's it's a separate thing to going, oh, yeah, there's a sounding board. But, you know, if Nicola and I are talking about our money and our future and our life and what that looks like and you can sit in on that conversation and there's an absolute... It, to some degree, there's a benefit for you not having a skin in the game because you go, it does whether you whether we decide to go with what she would prefer or what I would prefer, doesn't matter to you. You don't no. have to. You, you're not. You know, whether we buy a house or not buy a house, or rent here or rent there, or do this or do that, or it, you don't actually have to come and move into that house with us. So no. you don't. It, it doesn't matter to you. So when you're then suggesting things, we're both not. It, it becomes, I guess more of a I, I think that having that third person there might allows that and we've talked about this before with couples where it allows it to that to become a collaborative thing of right how do we all get what we want because you're there you're there able to I guess interpret a bit of the time between this is what Dallas wants this is what Nicola wants they're, they're not necessarily opposed but where do you direct your resources you know if you do it this way then this way that's mm. kind of the way that everyone can get what they want whereas it's easy when you when there's only the two of you it's easy for that to turn into an argument and mm. a debate about and we've seen this before with couples where they come in and, and the minute you start talking about it sometimes it becomes each of them thinking that the other one is the problem mm. you know and, and going well if you didn't do that then we'd be fine and, and if you didn't do that and you go well it doesn't that doesn't help anything. That doesn't really matter. What we're trying to do is, what do you both want? How do we how do we get all of that working in together? So yeah, I think there's there's probably that. I think impartial is probably the word that that I'd add into there. That's really valuable to to the advice process. Well, if you sat down with a counsellor, so if you and Nicola booked out, um, yeah, anyone that you could, yeah, that, that, that listens, yeah, um, that had no technical knowledge yeah. whatsoever, and you and you took the time to. Uh, avoid other distractions. Yeah. Set aside an hour. Yeah. And you talked about your finances to yeah. someone who had no idea about yeah. finances. Yeah. You probably that would be better off. <laughs> that would be better than doing nothing. <laughs> well, generally right. speaking. Yes. Yeah. When you're sitting down with a technical expert. Yeah. Um, who's seen all the scenarios before? Has seen a lot of situations before. I mean, you've seen these situations before as well. Yeah. yeah. But I'm the I'm the impartial third person, as you just pointed out. Yeah. It's far easier to get yeah. to get two people on the same page. Yeah. Um, I think in that situation. So so my big three, yeah. why the best financial advisor and do you notice listeners that I haven't I haven't identified <laughs> who the best who financial advisor yeah. who is who it is. Why the best financial advisor needs his own financial advisor. Number one, sounding board. So decisions um, you know, better decisions are made with 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 more than one person involved. And um, there's been numerous studies that have shown that to be to be true. Number two, it's process-driven. So the same meeting frequency as we meet with their clients every six months, um, that allows to you to make sure that things are, are getting implemented. If you've missed anything that you were supposed to implement uh, six months ago, you know that your meeting's coming up and you implement those and um, and you actually formally sit down every six months for an hour each, each, each period of time. Uh, with two members of the couple, and number three is accountability. Yeah. So I think that's a great place to wrap up. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.